Okay, hi, pals. Um, that's better. Okay, good morning. Hi, welcome to Denton North Church. Um, there are no slides, so listen extra close because I'm going to tell you about cool things that are happening this next week. So um, our first thing, if you're a visitor today, we're really, really glad you're here, and there are a lot of people that, like, I don't recognize. So welcome to Denton North Church. If you're someone who's here consistently, like Denton North is home, make it a priority to go and meet a couple of faces that you don't know. Like, set a goal for yourself of, like, I'm going to introduce myself to three people that I don't know. And I know sometimes it's hard to, like, what do I do after I introduce myself? What kind of small talk do I have to make? Here are some freebie questions for you. You can ask them, hey, what's something you're really into right now? That's a good question. Get stuff started. Um, <laughs> I met a coworker on this last week, and his name was Kevin. And I was like, hey, Kevin, do you relate more to, like, Kevin from Home Alone or Kevin the Bird from Up? And it started some good conversation. So, you know, it could be literally stupid questions, but you're just trying to meet people and make them feel welcome. So there's some questions for you. Um, if you are a man who has graduated from college or not in college and you like swimming, yeah. there's a men's swim extravaganza today on this very brisk autumn day. Um, it will be at my apartment. I'm not going to be there. It's going to be at 1963 Colorado Boulevard at like 4.30 p.m. Parking is pretty easy. Like anywhere that's not covered parking or handicapped parking place, you can park. If the parking places get full, there's a neighborhood right across the street, um, and you can park there and then walk over. If you get lost, call Austin or Sean or Tong because they all live in our complex, and it's really fun. Um, okay, so can we, like, get some excitement for that? Like, where are the men at? Yeah. Thanks. Wow. That was really high-pitched for men swimming. There you go. That's better. <laughs> That's great. Great, great, David. Um, all right, so <laughs> our last thing, if you are a senior with Focus this year, yeah, woo! Um, <laughs> We came out to, to FNF this last Friday. We served ice cream, and then Tabby and I think Adriana stayed and, like, announced about uh, the church and, like, getting connected. So if you're a graduating senior this next year, we want to know who you are. We want to, like, help you with your transition into focus. So if you did not get signed up there, we want to... Uh, have you sign up here. So you can talk to me, you can talk to Tabby, you can talk to Adriana, Sean, like any of us. Darby, stop being so distracting. Okay, so our last thing I have, the offering bucket, it's going to start over there, Devin, with you. And then I think it goes all the way across, and then it will come all the way back. So don't pass it behind, just like lean really far and pass it far across. So like Trent, you're going to have to meet Claudia halfway. Got it? Okay, cool. And I think Leslie is going to come up here. All right, let's try it again. Okay, good morning. My name is Leslie Rowe, and I'm on staff here at Denton North. And I am really glad to get to share with you this morning. I feel like it's been a long time. I was in charge of sermons in June, and I brought people in from other places. And so it's been a long time since I've been up to speak to you. And so I've really been looking forward uh, to this morning. Before we get started, I have an announcement for our non-student adults. 
So we like to try new things every once in a while. And so this year, we tried something new with our small groups. And we didn't quite know all of the ins and outs of it. And we had our first small group meetings this last week, and it just didn't really work. And so first of all, we were going to blame it on Brad because, well, it's usually Brad's fault. But then we decided Autumn wasn't at our meeting this morning, so we would blame it on Autumn. It must be her fault. Um, But really, ultimately, we decided to blame it on all of you because you just messed up the sign-up sheet. But honestly, we need to kind of redo our small groups. We need like a regroup and redo. And so we are passing around a sign-up sheet this morning What we've done in the past is we've had topical small groups, but this year we're moving to more of a life group type small group where we're meeting together for an entire year. And so we really can't have our groups be like one really ginormous and one really tiny and one have a bunch of leaders and one have no leaders. We needed to think that through a little bit more. And so what we're going to do is have you put your name, your email, and then check Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, any night that will work for you. So if all three of those nights work for you and you're willing to meet on any of those three nights, put a check on all three. If only Tuesday night works for you, nothing else will work, put a check on Tuesday. And then we're going to go through and we're going to make our small groups and email you and tell you which one to go to. The first topic of your small group, the leader will decide. The second in January, when we switch topics, your group will vote on and decide. But guys, we really need your help with this because we really want these small groups to work. We want relationships to be formed. And I know it's really weird to not get to pick your own group and your own topic. Um, But hey, a lot of churches do that. So we're just going to try something new and different. So the sign-up sheet is going to start over here. We're going to go all the way across just like the offering basket and go back on the ends. So again, name, email address, any night that works for you to meet. Check that. And then we'll be letting you know this week what small group you're going to attend and where it's going to be and everything. Great. Okay, is there anything else I need to say about that? Like, does anybody have a question? Is that really clear? Got it? Okay, if you have any concerns about that, feel free to talk to Brad or I after, um, and we'll be happy to explain things a little bit more to you. Is this working yet? Yes, so I can get away from this? Okay, great. Okay, so we're at the beginning of a sermon series on the good news in stories and images. And we're working through the book of Luke and using the stories that Jesus told as well as stories that were told about Jesus. And we're telling stories and creating images that would go along with those gospel truths that Jesus is sharing or that other people are sharing through stories. Why are we doing this? That's a great question. I'm glad you ask. So first, the stories and images that are used in the Bible are really powerful. In Matthew 13, 34, it says all Jesus did that day was tell stories. 
a long storytelling afternoon. And Jesus was very purposeful. He told stories for a reason. And when the disciples asked him why he spoke in parables or stories, Jesus replied with this, You've been given insight into God's kingdom. You know how it works. Not everybody has this gift or this insight. It hasn't been given to them. Whenever someone has a ready heart for this, the insights and understandings flow freely. But if there is no readiness, any trace of receptivity soon disappears. That's why I tell stories, to create readiness to nudge the people toward receptive insight, and that's in Matthew chapter 13 as well. See, we all have people that we want or need to share the good news with, but there may not be a readiness for understanding scripture there. They may not have ever been to church before. They might never have read scripture before. Um, There might be some cultural differences. Maybe they're from another country, and there's just no reference for reading scripture. We can use what Jesus used and tell stories to create that readiness in people. So that's one reason that we're spending some time on this topic. The second one is that stories and images make you think. As I've been reading the stories in Luke, I've realized how I tend to either grab the easiest meaning for a story or I tend to just kind of read right over it, especially if I don't understand it. I just kind of read right over, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that was a good story. Um, And I don't really take the time to stop and really dig in. However, as I've started trying to think about what story I would write or what image I would create, I've thought about the fact that I want to remain true to what Jesus' original message was. But if I don't know what Jesus' original message was, I can't remain true to that in a story that I would tell on my own. And so it's made me really think through what is it that Jesus was saying here and how could I tell a story that would convey that same message. Jesus told stories about everyday, ordinary things, things that people could relate to. And in that sense, his stories were not complicated. On the other hand, his stories were very complex. There was more than one challenge. There was more than one piece of good news in the message that he would have in the stories that he told. He wasn't at all bothered by telling a story and then letting people leave confused to ponder its meaning on their own. And so this morning, just like Brad's done in the previous weeks, I'm not going to fill in all the gaps for you in the story that I tell. Um, And I'm not going to explain everything, and I'm going to let you leave to ponder how it fits with the text from Luke that I'm going to give you and what the message is there. And then lastly, one of the reasons we're doing this is practice. So you guys need to be thinking of your own stories, your own images, for the readings that we do during the week, which the readings we do are a lot larger than just what we do on Sunday morning, and also for the text that we do on Sunday morning. Be thinking of what story could I tell that people would relate to, or what story has happened in my life that would exemplify this. 
be thinking about what images would I create and could I share. Um, and so as we do that, we want to create space for people to share those. And so I've asked um, for someone to come and share what, they, what story they've been thinking about as we've been going through Luke so far. And I asked several people, and Brittany Tedlochka was one who volunteered. So I'm going to have her come up and share one of her stories this morning before we get started. Yep, come on up. Okay, I'm going to take this off. Yeah, so uh, a couple days ago, well, for those of you guys who don't know, I absolutely hate running. Like, despise it? Yes. Hate it. Where's Melissa? Melissa knows, yes. Melissa knows my running journey. It's not good. I don't have a good track record. So my sister, my sister is like, oh, that was, <laughs> I didn't, yeah, okay. Uh <laughs> My sister is like a really, really good runner. I've always wanted to run. She runs marathons. It's awesome. One time I tried to run a mile with her, and I made it like a third of the way. Can't even run a mile. I'm a total loser. Okay, so for some reason when I got pregnant, when I was literally huge, all I could think about was like when I could go running, when I could run again. I don't know why. Why was that the one thing I was thinking about? I don't know. So I had Willow, you know, all was well, and I forgot about running until this last week. I was like... I feel like I need to go for a run. <laughs> like, why? My ear was clogged that day. I, it was really weird. I was like, maybe running will, like, help clear it out. Who knows? I was like, I'm going to go for a run. So I set out, and I just felt like the spirit was there with me. I just felt him in that, in that moment. And so I was running, and I was jogging. I hate jogging. And all of a sudden, I felt like the spirit wanted me to sprint. And so I was like... Okay, so I like take off sprinting and I'm like, I probably look like such a loser to all these people. Like I'm running as fast as I can. It's probably really slow, uh, but, I, but I feel really powerful and great. And so I'm like sprinting. And so then I slow down and walk, sprint again, you know. And so I kind of get to the end of this journey and I felt like the Lord said that um, slow and steady doesn't always win the race, but that sometimes you have to sprint. And so I was thinking more about that, and I was thinking about that in regards to the gospel and how, like, the gospel requires us to sprint a lot of times. The gospel needs people who can do long stretches fast and hard. And so as we've been reading through Luke, um, you know, there's, I think that Jesus sprinted a lot. He sprinted as he was uh, learning in the temples. He spent all this time in the temple learning and learning and learning and learning. He was giving it all he had, everything that he had. And um, when he fasted for 40 days and then he was tempted by the devil, he was that was a sprint. That was a, something that he had to go hard at. And I think for us, um, the spirit is the one who gives us the energy to endure. And the spirit was the one that gave Jesus the energy to endure through uh, fasting that long and being able to um, not be tempted by the devil. And so, yeah, I think that there are various things in our life that require us to sprint in different seasons. I think for a lot of us college students, we sprint at the beginning of the year pretty intensely. Um, I think we go through different sprints in various times, but that the gospel requires us to do that, to go hard, to give our all, and to uh, completely give all of ourselves up for him. So, yeah. Yeah, so you guys be thinking about that 
what do you have to share with the body on Sunday that would be an image of the good news, that would be a story about the good news in the scripture? Um, and if you have something you want to share, you can talk to me or Brad, and we may just throw it open one Sunday morning. So you need to be prepared to have something for the body. The scripture encourages us to come with something to present to the body to encourage and teach and build up. So each week, Brad has taken time to kind of help you create an image for the scripture that we're going to use that morning. Um, last week, it was blue-collar workers. The first week, it was road trips. And so just kind of talking through some of those things to start thinking about that, start thinking about stories you have, start thinking about images that come up. And so this morning, I'm going to start the same way. And so my question for you is, how many of you have ever had the flu? And I'm talking about like the flu flu, not the like stomach bug, but like the flu. Okay, somebody share with me what that feels like. Like what? Dying. That's, that's a good description. Yeah, your whole body just aches and is really sore. Anything else you want to add to that? Go ahead. Yes. You're just confined to the house by yourself. Yes, exactly. Melissa, what did you say? Yes, you have to miss fun things. Okay, so knowing how awful the flu is, how many of you take a flu shot? Okay, okay. Sorry, my pages are stuck together here. Okay, so it's miserable, suffice it to say. If you've ever had the flu, it is miserable. And you go to the doctor hoping against hope that he's going to give you something to make you feel better, or she is going to give you something to make you feel better. And in my experience, one of two scenarios happens. The first one, you go in, you look horrible. You either are shaking because you're chilled or you're sweating because you're hot and you feel terrible. And the nurse looks at you and says, you look like you feel terrible, you poor thing. What are your symptoms? Oh no, that sounds like the flu. I'm so sorry, it's flu season, you know. When did your symptoms start? Oh, about two days ago? Well, good. The good news is we can give you Tamiflu, and it'll only cost you $150 to help shorten your illness. Um, I'll send that to the pharmacy right now. So stop by on your way home, pick it up through the drive-thru, do not go in and share this with anybody else, and go straight home. Rest, drink plenty of fluids, take your Tamiflu, and you leave feeling hopeful that you're going to feel better sometime in the near future. Okay, scenario two is this. What brings you in today? Well, can you not look at me and tell that I feel awful? I feel awful. That's why I'm here today. What are your symptoms? Oh, that sounds like the flu. Did you get your flu shot? No, I did not get my flu shot. And notice the word your. Did you get your flu shot? Because this is personal now. It's your flu shot. Well, you know how important that is, right? Well, I do now, thank you very much. 
it shortens the length of the flu if you get a flu shot. Okay, great, now I'm going to be sick for a long time. <laughs> and it also saves lives. Okay, so now my recovery is in question. I may not even recover <laughs> from this. And when did your flu symptoms start? About three days ago, the doctor always tells me you need to kind of wait it out and see if it's going to go away on its own and then come in. Well, if you'd come in yesterday, we could have given you Tamiflu to shorten the duration of the flu. But you waited too long to come in. Shame you didn't get your flu shot. Go straight home, rest, and drink plenty of fluids, and be sure to get your flu shot next year. That will be $100. <laughs> and you leave feeling like you never should have come here in the first place because you were too stupid to be helped. We have all kinds of different experiences with doctors and caregivers, um, and we're going to read about something related to that this morning. So Luke 5, 27 through 32. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi, who is also Matthew, sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Matthew got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Matthew held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. So just a little bit of background. We know from the New Testament that anyone who was a tax collector was a very unpopular person. They were on the bottom rung of the Jewish social ladder. They were classed by the people with harlots, with gamblers, with thieves, and dishonest herdsmen who lived hard, lawless lives. Some of the common terms for tax collectors were licensed robbers and beasts in human shape. One could sink no lower. According to the rabbis, there was no hope for a man like Matthew. He was excluded from all religious fellowship, including the temple and the synagogue. His money was considered tainted and defiled, and anyone who accepted it would also be tainted and defiled. And that included they could not give at the temple or the synagogue because their money was so defiled. They could not serve as a witness in any court. And the rabbis, the religious leaders, the people who were supposed to bring hope had no help for people like him. But Jesus changed all of that. He changed all of that by including them. He ate with them. He offered friendship and salvation to them. And he even chose a tax collector as one of his 12. Okay, I think it's important to know the background of the stories in the Bible to understand the real gravity of the situation in many cases. So again, like Brad told you last week, I am not a storyteller. Not my strength, not my deal. Um, but this is my story that I'm going to share with you this morning. It's simple. It's something that I could relate to. And I hope that it's something that you can relate to. But more than that, I hope it'll spur you on to think about your own story. How did I wind up here? The hospital, the cardiac unit, 
for as long as I can remember, living a healthy lifestyle has been important to me. I've always been religious about eating healthy, working out, and maintaining a healthy weight. When I started college, I knew I wanted to be a registered dietitian, and I also wanted to get an advanced health and fitness specialist certification. It took six long years, but I finally achieved my goal. I landed an internship at Cooper Clinic, and after six months, they offered me my dream job. We work to give people a personalized, in-depth picture of their health and help them maintain or improve their health, whichever is needed. But we also do some rehab things. So we do like cardiac rehab and uh, different things like that. And I love my job. Most of the people there are just like me. They value a healthy lifestyle. They make good choices in what they eat. They're disciplined in getting up early to exercise. They are a pleasure to work with, and they get what healthy living is all about. But one day I walked in, and there was a new woman there. I'll call her Lainey, you know, HIPAA regulations and all. She was recovering from a heart attack at only 35 and was trying to change her lifestyle to avoid further problems. I met with her to create a plan. She was nice enough, but I couldn't believe her eating habits. First of all, she rarely cooked, instead choosing to go through the drive-thru of some fast food restaurant. She ate some fruits and vegetables, but mostly she just ate carbs. She had something sweet every single day, sometimes twice a day. She did a little exercise taking the stairs instead of the elevator and parking further from the door than necessary, but nothing significant. She was 25 pounds overweight. If she had just made better choices, if she had just lived her life like I had from the beginning, she wouldn't be in this situation. What was she thinking? I didn't have a lot of hope for Lainey because she obviously didn't have the self-control a healthy lifestyle would demand. But it was my job to help her, and so I tried. At first, she did really well. She kept her food diary. She stuck to her eating plan. She showed up three times a week to exercise. But after a few weeks, as I was reading through her food diary, I saw that she had a banana split over the weekend. I asked her about it, and she said it was her birthday and she wanted to celebrate. I told her she had already celebrated plenty of birthdays, and that's why she was here in the first place. Again, I reminded her <laughs> it was all about making the right choices. She was grateful that I brought that up and promised that she would do better. As part of my job, I get a physician's report about my clients every month. I was surprised to see that Lainey's physician praised the small changes she had made and the times she chose well rather than pointing out the banana split episode. Did he not realize what was at stake here? Maybe he just wanted her to fail so he could make more money off her health problems. Well, I certainly wasn't going to let her off the hook that easy. A few weeks later, I was working with Lainey when I started feeling really tired. I mean, the kind of tired like you just can't take another step, like you just need to lay down right now. But it seemed like the more I slept, the more tired I felt. Lainey kept asking me if I was okay, and I assured her I just had hit a slump and needed a little more sleep. 
I decided I just needed to push through and exercise a little harder. In an effort to push Lainey to work out harder, I had been working out with her, and we were jogging on the treadmill, and I pushed it up to an all-out sprint. And then the weirdest thing happened. I couldn't catch my breath for about 15 minutes after we stopped. Lainey was so sweet, getting me a cup of water and sitting there with me while I recovered. I assured her it couldn't possibly be anything serious. She asked if I'd experienced any pain in my chest, and I replied that if I was honest, I'd had a little, but only a time or two, and it went away really fast. She shared with me that she had experienced these same symptoms before her heart attack and suggested I get checked out by a doctor. She pointed out that Cooper had some of the best doctors in the area, and as an employee, I had access to some of the newest and most accurate diagnostic tests available. I just laughed and said, there's no need to see a doctor. I didn't say it out loud, but I thought to myself, there is no way I could be sick like you. Unlike you, I make good choices, and I always have. After that, she checked with me daily to see how I was feeling. She continued getting stronger and healthier. She made mistakes from time to time, but she was making progress. I, on the other hand, continued to experience periods of fatigue and shortness of breath. I just had to keep working to get out of this slump. I knew I would start feeling better soon. Lainey patiently encouraged me to go to the doctor, but I live healthy. I am healthy. Why would I need to? I signed up for a half marathon, see if that would get me over the slump, and begin training with a team. Bless you. This one particular day, we were doing a six-mile run. About two miles in, I just passed out. At least they told me I did. I really don't remember it. My team called an ambulance. They took me to a hospital. They found a blockage in one of my arteries. And thankfully, they were able to put a stent in and open the artery up. But it was really close to needing open-heart surgery. When I was released, my doctor recommended cardiac rehab. I became a client at my own clinic. How ironic. So back to my original question. How did I wind up here? My friend Lainey says it's because people who know they are sick get help from a doctor. But people who don't believe they are sick don't see any need for one. Maybe she's right. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him, and Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, It's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And one other thing I'll point out in that passage is that the writer of Luke says that there was a crowd of tax collectors and others eating there. But the Pharisees said there were tax collectors and sinners eating there. They saw it very differently. So part of the good news of Luke 5 
is that you cannot be too sinful for God to save, only too holy to need his salvation. And as we take communion together today, I want you to think about which one you might be. Are you the one who feels too sinful to be saved? Or the one who might feel like you're too holy? Or somewhere in between? And maybe that's not the deal. Maybe you don't struggle in that area. But how do you see other people? Do you see other people as too sinful to be saved? Share your answer during our communion time with someone that you're standing in line with, somebody that you're sitting by. Choose someone to share your answer with. We celebrate Jesus as we remember his life and we remember that he extended salvation to everyone and we remember his sacrifice. So what we do here is take a piece of bread and dip it into the grape juice and that's how we take communion here. So after that, you can visit just a little bit, but come back to your seat because we have some songs that we're going to finish out with. So I'm going to pray for us and we'll take communion. God, I don't know where each of us are today. I don't know which ones of us feel like we're too sinful to be saved and which one of us feel like we're too holy. But God, I pray that your spirit would move through our body this morning to convict us if we need that. And I pray that your spirit would move through our body to bring assurance of salvation to those of us who feel too sinful. God, I pray that we would be people who never see other people as hopeless, who never see ourselves as too holy and not in need of you. I pray, God, that as we take communion this morning, that we'll remember Jesus, that we'll remember how loved we are by him, that we'll remember that we're saved by him, and that we really do have good, good news to share with other people. Make us brave and make us bold, God, and make us represent you well. It's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.